0: Are like, dialed into your signs there. But, um, well, welcome to church, everybody. So glad you're here uh, this morning. How many enjoyed Daniel Lim last Sunday? Uh, and then um, a couple Sundays before that, we had uh, Paul jaylee Lee with us. And then my wife, of course, which never disappoints, um, started our sermon series um, called My House Off, uh, if you were here. Uh, we're talking about prayer, um, If you know anything about us, you know we're people who really like to pray. I think it's actually just normal for Christians to really like to pray. I don't know if I'm abnormal for saying that, but I think if God gives us an extraordinary opportunity to talk to Him, in that He will listen to what we're like sharing or communicating or praying, then I think we should take advantage of this great resource, the great resource we have in prayer. And so... We're talking about prayer. We're uh, titling this series, My House. This is out of Matthew 21, where Jesus kind of walks into the temple, and, well, you know, we see a side of Jesus, you know, that's, it's different than what we normally see in the Gospels, where he's a bit angry. I actually relate to this side of Jesus. There's many times that I want to walk into church and just turn things over, break things and smash things and drive people away. But you can't do that in 2019. Um, But Jesus did that, and we see a side of Jesus where he kind of just walks in and says, hey, listen, this thing has gotten off track, and it's time to get it back on track. How many know that it's easy for the church, it's easy for us as Christians to get off track? Right? Anybody here can relate to that? You know, it's just like, you know, you're having a good couple days and then, you know, Wednesday happens and, you you know, you just, you don't feel saved because you've experienced, you know, X amount of things that just kind of steer you in the wrong way, kind of derail you and come Thursday, you know, you're wondering, am I saved? And then Sunday you're like reconnecting and recommitting your heart to Jesus. Is anybody here like that? Of course, you guys are far too holy um, than that. The word uh, house appears 1,532 times in the Old Testament and just about 181 times in the New. Uh, that's a whopping 1,700 times. Actually, if you're good at math, it's uh, 1,731 times. I'm not good at math. I just broke my calculator out and did the numbers. and I'm not precisely sure just how much or how many times... Uh, the word is used to specify God's home or physical temple here on earth. But it's a significant amount. If you look in the New Testament, you'll see that. For example, uh, we referenced it already, Matthew 21, where Jesus walks into the temple and says, well, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into, what, a den of thieves. Here Jesus makes, I think, a clear distinction. This is always missed, I believe, when we talk about this scripture. Jesus gives a clear distinction between the house that God intended His people to build uh, compared to what they were presently building at the time of Jesus' arrival. That is quite significant. It's quite important when we realize the story that the kind of distinction that Jesus makes here, well, is powerful. And we should pay attention. We should pay attention to these words in 2019, I believe that if we're getting off course and making prayer the, um, of the utmost importance in kind of the culture and the context of our community, then we need to really take into stock and inventory, what are we doing? We'd all agree that there is slightly different realities here, right, um, between a house of prayer and a den of thieves, right? They're (laughs) clearly different, right? Uh, One works uh, against fellowship and communion with God while the other promotes it. And I I believe that it's this. This is exactly what is at the center of Jesus' displeasure. I don't think that Jesus is just walking in there, you know, taken by how they're selling animals and trading and, 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 and doing their thing. I think Jesus primarily, now listen to me, Jesus is primarily frustrated with what this thing had become. In the, in the sense that people's attention were no longer given to God. It was given to this commerce, this commercialism within the church. And this is what I believe is at the center of Jesus' displeasure. The temple or the house of God um, was made or meant to enhance and encourage connection and fellowship with God. Let me say that again. The the, the church, the house of God, its intended purpose was to enhance and encourage connection and fellowship with God. Through the means of what? Well, prayer and worship, much like we did earlier today much like we have done all weekend and all week. But here in Matthew, not to um, re-preach Bethany's sermon, but just want to do a little recap, the church takes an interesting detour. And, and now it has replaced prayer and worship with commercialism. Now, I think this is totally applicable to today's church. Uh, we find ourselves, I believe, not just Hilltop, but the big sea, the big church. We find ourselves, the church finds itself in a similar predicament today. We'd rather sell Jesus than promote that which enhances and builds and encourages relationship and connection with Jesus. But that's another sermon for another day. Essentially in the gospel here Um, the temple was no longer fulfilling its purpose, the purpose of which it had been built. The whole thing, again, had gotten off the rails. Worship and prayer was being squeezed out of the church. And friends, can I just say that when worship and prayer is being squeezed out of the church, it means God is being squeezed out of the church. And, And we don't need to just apply this to the big C, the big church, we can apply that to us personally. We, we can say anywhere where uh, worship and prayer uh, is not a priority in our life, essentially what we're saying is God isn't a priority. A couple of you are tracking with me. You know, in all honesty, I'm sure the people meant well here in the Gospels. I mean, here, after all, they're providing a service, right? Sounds like the church, right? Just, you know, we're just trying to provide a service, making it as easy as we can to get to church. You know, here they are, providing a service for people who are traveling long distances. I mean, who wants to bring their ox with them and their goat with them, right? I mean, if you can just buy it there, why the heck not, right? It's a kind gesture. They mean well. But when Jesus walks into the temple he quickly determines that this kind gesture had taken a turn for the worse. Sadly, the people were being taken advantage and this made it corrupt. And if you want to hear more about that story, you can check out Bethany's sermon from two Sundays ago. It's a, it's a good one. This leads me to uh, the book in which I'd like to draw your attention to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Haggai chapter 1. This is another book within the Bible where the words, my house, surfaces, it makes an appearance. And um, Haggai chapter 1, we'll pick up reading in verse 1, it says this, I may botch some of the names, that means I may not pronounce them right, so please bear with me. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while my house lies in ruins? Father, in these next moments that we share together, I ask, Lord, that you would breathe upon every word that I speak here to this congregation, Lord. I pray, Lord, that I would... Be so connected to your heart, Lord. And that my words might be rich and full of Jesus. So that your people here might worship Jesus. And make in their lives God a priority. I pray this, Lord, in your Son's name. Amen. Now, to give some context here, I'm sure... We just read the first uh, four verses of Haggai, and it's anything but, you know, like, really intriguing. Um, so let's give the back story a little bit. In 538 BC, the conqueror of Babylon, Cyrus the king of Persia, issued a decree. A decree that would allow, essentially, Jews to return to Jerusalem uh, and rebuild the temple. Uh, the project was led by Zerubbabel. Uh, it was about five, fifty, excuse me, thousand Jews who journeyed home to begin the work on the temple. It took just about two years. I got to slow down, let my translators catch up. Thank you. Praise the Lord. It took about two years to complete just the foundation. That must have been quite a foundation. Two years. Are you kidding me? But in 536 BC, the foundation of the temple was built. Their success, as, uh, as was the norm, uh, uh, aroused the Samaritans and other neighboring countries who feared a political and religious, um, you know, the implications of those things being rebuilt, uh, a thriving Jewish state. They were opposed uh, the project, and they managed to halt it in 520 B.C. But then Darius the king, the great king of Persia in 522 B.C., was interested in kind of the various religions uh, in the empire. And so he actually like, w- encouraged this 50,000 Jews in Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. And so essentially there is nothing at this point really holding them back from moving forward. But essentially the king's interest and his support to this project did little to nothing to provoke the Jews, to rebuild. Uh, they were preoccupied. Now, hear me. They, they were preoccupied uh, in their own homes, building their own homes and their own lives. Man, I don't know. I gave much thought about this this week. I, I don't know if there's any other like body of Scripture. I'm sure there is, but for me currently, that really resonates in kind of the climate of the church today. I think that there's a lot of overlapping here, some similarities, if you would, between the predicament that these Jews find themselves in and kind of the predicament we are in as a church. I mean, is it just me, or do we sometimes get overly preoccupied with just rebuilding our lives? You know, our homes, are our our, 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 is it just me? Is there, there, there's certain kind of similarities here to what Haggai finds. What God now in verse 2 challenges, their inactivity. Their inactivity was challenged by God. And, and, and listen, if nothing comes out of this sermon today... I pray that some of your inactivity would be challenged lovingly by the Lord. I pray that somehow by God's grace, a fire begins to consume your heart, not just to rebuild your lives and your nice 401Ks and your white picket fences. I pray that the Lord apprehends your heart for something far more glorious than the American dream. So their inactivity was challenged. In verse 2, we read it. The word of the Lord came to Haggai saying, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Some observations. It's clear here, just in these first four verses, that God wants the people to stop procrastinating. If I yell, I'm not mad. I just, it's just, you know, I'll say a couple of words, and something just gets in my heart. I was just like, this can't just be said. It's got to be yelled. And so I'm not mad. I just, things just got to be proclaimed. And so I am weird. I, let me just answer that question. You're like, man, he's weird. Yes, I am. I get it. But I'm, I'm quite comfortable with being weird. I, I, I'm not going to lose any sleep because some of you think I'm weird. But God wanted the people to stop procrastinating. Can I, can I just say this lovingly? God wants some of you to get off your couch. God, God wants some of you to close down Netflix. Netflix. I won't go on. I could, but I will not. In Jesus' name. Sadly, the people were occupied with what they thought was important. But we're going to find out in the story that I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but they are so far off track and primarily they are oblivious to what they don't have. And that's going to become very clear in the text. Their homes, I think, signifies the kind of rebuilding of their lives. That's, I think, what God is going after here. You know, quick question. Have you ever um, been determined to get ahead in something? Um, Let's say it's uh, paying off some credit card debt. Or, um, for me, like, taking running seriously. Um, You know, like... uh, Uh, You know, like, have you ever gone as far to like buy yourself a nice pair of running shorts, some running shoes, you know, a shirt that you can? If I get a shirt, I have it's going to be a shirt that can take on a lot of sweat because I just pour it out. But uh, and then a watch that kind of just like monitors your heart rate and how many miles you run, and you know, you've you just got your gear, and and all in the back of your mind, you're wondering, I'm probably not going to do this. (laughs) I got all the stuff, I'm ready to go, but at the end of the day i I just don't know I don't know if I'm gonna follow through here. anybody here like that or or better yet It's like paying off like your your credit card bills right, and all you're doing is like paying the minimal kind of payment and, and it's it's you know the 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 the, the um the bill is qua it's it's up there let's just say it's it's up there and you take the whole year and you faithfully pay that minimal payment and you're thinking man surely I have like I have closed the gap, Lord. This thing is going to decrease in Jesus' name. You see that bill at the end of the year, and you're like, what is going on? Anybody here ever do that? You're just determined to get ahead of something. But when you finally like step back and take a look at your progress, you're like, I, you know, if you're running, it's like, I haven't even left my neighborhood yet. I, like, I, I thought surely the way I'm sweating and breathing heavily that I've got out of my neighborhood, out of the block at least. This is similar, as we laugh about it, to what's happening here in the book of Haggai. Um, The people have a goal, right? Their goal is to rebuild their homes in their lives. Um, And what we find here in, in, in the rest of the story is that, um, that in trying to reach their goals, and trying to rebuild their lives, they still lack so much. And, and the only one that can see this is God. They're without, according to God, in so many ways. It, it's like a person, you, you ever have those neighbors, you know, those who own homes, which I'm sure is not a lot of you here, but um, just because it's you know, this is college town, we're just breezing through, but you know, it's like your neighbor who does all he can do to like doctor up the front of his house while the inside is like falling apart, anybody ever have a neighbor like that? You can kind of apply that to yourself spiritually too, like you just look good on the outside, but inside you're just a mess, you're just broken Right? But you do everything to doctor up the front, you know, so that you look good on Sunday morning, but inside you're just broken. Well, this is exactly what's going on. It's almost as if, thank you, the people are concerned about the appearance of things when internally God's saying, it does not look good for you. Turn with me again if you're still there to Haggai chapter 1. Is this okay? Everybody all right? Verse 5 in chapter 1 says, Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Listen, if you have a pen on you, you might as well underline that, uh, those three words. Consider your ways. Because this is where we're landing. Verse 6. You have so much, and have harvested so little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink. But you are never filled. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages... Oh, if this is an indictment against the West. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. So God essentially says, you're not gaining anything. You may... Be giving off the appearance as though you're rebuilding your lives and your homes and just caring for yourself. But from my vantage point, now not mine, but God's, I'm speaking, you know, um, I'm not God, no. But from God's view, of which is a great view, by the way, nothing gets out of God's sight. You can pull the wool over your friend's eyes, but you cannot deceive God. Everything is there before Him. And essentially, this is what He's saying. It looks all good, folks. But let me tell you my assessment. Let me tell you what I think. I'm sure the people thought they were getting ahead, building their nice little paneled homes. You know, that just means they're they're decking it out, right? Right? Uh, But from God's vantage point, he sees an entirely different situation going on. They sow so much, but yet have harvested little. They eat, but they're never full. Drink, but never have their fill. Clothe, but still are cold. And the real drop kick in the face is that their wages that they earn are put into bags with holes in them. Ouch. Ouch. Let's just let that sink in. So what does God do? Well, God always has a plan, right? I mean, he's not going to leave us there. He's not going to leave his people there. God, in verse 5, says, stop. It's fairly simple. This isn't going to be some big, heavy revelation of me trying to use a bunch of big words of which I would slaughter anyways. This is, this is, this is just simple, simple stuff. God's prescription is very, very simple. Don't co- uh, complicate God. God is not complicated. God is not your professor at Harvard. God is not science. He's not what everybody's dreaming up and scheming up over at MIT. Very simple. God says, stop. <whistles> Consider your ways. Stop. Consider your ways. I don't know that in my entire Christian life there has ever been a set of more helpful words in my life in Scripture. Some some of us make it so complicated. When it, and, and I think it's just in order to make excuses too. Like we just complicate how complicated life is. Sorry for complicated so many times. Just complicate things and just kind of make all this very mysterious when God just says simply, hey listen, you hit a bad streak. You, you, you got derailed in your faith. The, 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 the focus, uh, you know, is... It's not me anymore. Just don't complicate it. Stop! Again, I'm, I'm not yelling at you. I'm almost yelling at myself. I'm, I'm thinking of many different things in my life where this is so applicable. Just stop. Consider your ways. Listen, if you're in a hard place this morning, if you feel like, you know, we just read, what was it, five through eight, I believe, and Haggai chapter one, and you're like, man, I can just resonate. It feels like I'm never getting ahead. It feels like I'm trying to do so many things to build my career, uh, to 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 build my home, to build my relationships, to build my marriage. It just seems like no matter where I turn, I'm just I'm just left with nothing. I, I, it's like the more I save, or uh, you know, the more I do, and the more I invest, I just get nowhere. Just stop it. Just stop. P- Step back. Take some time. Consider your ways. That's God's recommendation here to His people. Have you ever had a friend who just every time you um, you go to them for advice, they're just really helpful? It's just like there's there's never a time where you like turn to them uh, for some advice and. And you feel like, man, why did I ask them? (laughs) Like, like, I feel more confused and more lost than than I I felt before asking them. But you just have that friend that, no matter what, like when you go to them and you have that complicated question or you have that thing that's kind of just sitting in your heart, you need to share with somebody. They're just so helpful. Listen, this is God's solid advice. This this is, in my opinion, God giving us uh, bulletproof, like. Like, solid advice here. Stop and consider your ways. Church, when you get off track, you know, when your life even uh, gets off track, just take a moment, pause, and give thought to your ways. Let's move on. In verse 8 of the same chapter, it says, go up to the hills and bring wood and build my house. That, that I might take pleasure in it, and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. There, there is something precious about God's house, isn't there? You know, there, there's, there's some in the church that just want to rail and complain against the church. But you know, this is like the one institution that takes a moment out of their week and makes God the focus. Now if you just, just go there in my, with me in, in my train of thought if you can. That might be scary for some of you. But just, just think about that. One day out of the week, there is no other organization, institution, community, whatever you want to call it, that takes that one day and makes God their all. Makes God their focus in psalm. Makes God their focus in teaching. I think that's pretty Remarkable. And I also think this is why God wants them to get to building his house. Because he wants a place where he can be glorified amongst the people of the earth. And just in case you thought it was going to get happier before we go a little bit more into the dark tunnel of God's thoughts. (laughs) Look at verse 9. He said, you look for much and behold it came to little And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Wow. Who has a vision of God like that today? No, seriously. Like, who actually sees God like that? You know, do we have just this, like, you know, western, like, you know, just like, God's a powder puff, you know, he's just like, he's just up there with his big wings skipping across the clouds, you know, with his little chubby, uh, you know, baby like angels flying around. Uh, you know, what, what is your vision of God today? Is it a vision that when you get off track, he doesn't just allow you to get off track, but he works with kind of like what's devastating in your life, meaning, that when you aren't accumulating wealth or when you feel like you're trying to rebuild but you're getting nowhere and then you find at the end of the day that God's hand was involved in it? I'm really scared that that comment just went right through your head. you got to get it in your heart. God will not allow you, will not allow me, to get away, even if he has to use means. Like blowing away things that I treasure and hold dear. God, let it be here in Hilltop Church. Let us always stay focused, Lord. In verse 9, I'm sorry, in 10, verse 10 of the chapter it says why declares the Lord of hosts this is why he blows it away this is why he's involved with this kind of process of trying to get I believe their attention it's simple because my house lies in ruins wow wow! while each of you busy yourself with his own house I think God wants the church today to snap out of its busyness and reconnect to the joys, the pleasures of building His house. So a recap, and I'm winding down, I promise. Their effort to gain so much had brought them very little. And even what they had gained, God blew it away. Hashtag that. It's a great tweet, I'm sure. God says, why? Why is he involved with this? Because his house, according to him, lies in ruins. And the people of God, God's people, are busy. They're busy and occupied with their own lives. Now, you may be thinking, what does God have against homes? they <laughs> you are know, like, what is this deal, man? The truth is, God has... No problem at all. I mean, he himself wants a house for himself. He wouldn't begrudge his people to desire the same thing. But it's a matter of priority. It's, it, the real issue is what are we prioritizing in our lives? Now, I'm sorry. You may have come to church today looking for a nice, happy, like, you know, Jesus loves you sermon We're here not to neglect the more, I think, um, important issues of of the Word. And in that, today we can ask ourselves, where are our priorities? God is being squeezed out of the picture. And as a result, guys, sadly, tragically, the people are suffering. And can I just say that... This is somewhat of a a similar process that God does, I believe, in our lives. Today, you may be thinking, um, this doesn't sound New Testament. This doesn't sound like Jesus, right? But let me me just submit something to you in closing. If If we need a New Testament, some New Testament context, let's turn to Matthew 6, 33. It's one verse. And I believe it summarizes God's heart for His people. And it's this. You know it. You could probably recite it with me. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added. It's a matter of priorities. I, I, I don't, I'm sure you're like me that... You know, sometimes you know, I think there's not a lot of momentum in putting God first. I can get there faster. I could if I just just kind of like remove this seek God thing like first. I, I can get an answer to that problem. I could bring a solution here. I can I can get up, put my pants on for work without seeking God first, but yet. All along, we see in Scripture, from Old to New Testament, God wants first place. And if there's an issue in the church today where we are not prioritizing His house, in the sense that we are giving our time, our energy, our resources, and dare I say our finances, if there's an issue with that today, then the real problem lies within what we are prioritizing. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do uh, with anything else rather than what is most important to us. God all along wants to be what is important first and foremost. And I just, I don't know, you know, Six years now, when I started thinking about planting Hilltop, I was like, man, I just... I want a church that really knows how to prioritize God, who really knows how to make loving God with all their mind, heart, body, soul, and strength, like, like, the, of the, like just lose themselves and give themselves to that. I just... I don't know. From from, from the moment the, the bullet left the barrel of starting this church, I was like, Lord... Don't ever let us get sidetracked. Always help us, Lord, to put You first. I I don't know. I just think that there's so many things that can be resolved in our lives where we might not need sozo or inner healing. It'd just be a matter of putting God first that all things might be added unto us. And so I see a church like this. I do. I see a church that really knows how to sacrificially put God before themselves. Do you see it? Because it doesn't matter what I see. It matters what you see for your little life. It matters what you prioritize to get there. I can just simply give what I read and what I'm seeing in Scripture, but it's your job to apply it. So how will you apply it? Will you stop what you're doing? Take a moment and consider your ways that just maybe, just maybe, there might be something that God wants to reprioritize in your life. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Let's start there. Let's get our... Hearts and our heads in the house of prayer. Let's be the church. Let's seek God together. Let's pray. Father, I have. I've done my best. For today. And now, God, I'm counting on you to do the rest in our hearts, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would help us take this word and apply it to our lives. Lord, I ask, Lord, that in any way, Lord, that some were provoked here this morning. I ask, Lord, that through the prompting of your Holy Spirit, that you would put this to good work, Lord, in their lives on Monday. God, everything that was heard here today, God, let it all accumulate to one thing, obedience, Lord. Not, wow, Daryl, that was a nice sermon. I don't need to hear that, God. I just want to see people who are changed. So, Father, come. Change us into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, um, I'm just going to leave that right there. And, um, you know, the awesome thing about this is that we have the luxury. God has... um, Made it possible for us to live messages like this out in real time, day to day, night and night. And it happens at a little house over in Cambridge where um, some are making God a priority in their mornings. Some are making God a priority in their night. I want to encourage you that if you yet uh, have yet to stop by this house and give yourself to seeking God, give yourself in the morning. Get up a little early. Maybe you don't come to Jehob. That's fine. Maybe maybe it's just that early rise in the morning before you go to work. I want to just plead with you. Actually, I want to just, I really want to beg you. If you do nothing, if you do nothing else in the result of this word, do this. Make God a priority in your life. Amen. Amen. Guys, listen, we'll close out here over at the Info Center. You can stop by if you're new here. Um, if you uh, are looking to get connected with this group, this body of believers, I just want to encourage you. It's, um, it's a couple ladies over there with nice smiles, just looking to get some information. And there's a pretty cool gift over there, likewise. So, I mean, just drop by. We want to connect with you. Other than that, we love you. Have a great Sunday. Have a great week. And we'll see you next, hopefully.